Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning from the spooky legislature. I think you and I are the only people here today. It's, it's a public sector holiday, so all half the lights are out. Just came here through a very darkened hallway in the basement. Well, it's just us and the ghosts. Yes, yeah, and the ghosts. Because the place the ghost is of Rattenbury. Yes. Francis Rattenbury, the architect's ghost, haunts these halls. I've been assured that the this the legislature is haunted from people who've yeah. seen s- strange things. Well, security says that at late at night, or, or in the early morning hours, you can hear the piano keys oh, come on coming now. out of the library. Oh, no. Which, the Nendebeck Lounge. Okay. okay. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you br- being brave to come into the building here. It was, it's very spooky. Yeah. Okay, we just had a ton of phone calls here on housing affordability, right? This brand new global news Commission poll by the Ipsos Polling Company, two-thirds of Canadians who are in the mm-hmm. home ownership market just giving up on the whole idea. The number highest in British Columbia of all provinces in Canada. I guess that's I guess that's not surprising, but well, what do you think? Housing prices are still remain very high. Having said that, I do know some younger people that I'm acquainted with have actually been able to buy into the market. Now they're not buying single family detached homes, but condos. And in some cases, older condos, which are bigger, they are moving in some instances, not, not huge numbers, but th- that still seems to be accessible. But I still wonder this, this, this announcement by the government recently to allow up to four units of housing to be built on a single lot, even though some mayors and councils are going to object to this, this could be the proverbial game changer. I live in Fair, the neighborhood of Fairfield in yeah. Victoria, which is yeah. basically ground zero, single family detached homes. Sure, yeah. I know neighbors and friends in the neighborhood are already talking about, hmm, can I put a lane house up? Can I put a second, third unit on my lot? These are not huge lot, but they're big lots. Um, my backyard could probably absorb uh, two townhomes. Yeah. And I think people are going to start talking about that. Okay, now speaking to s- about some of the mayors who are piping up about this, because the way this is going to work, like you said, single family lot, you can put up to four homes on one single family lot, David Eby has said that will be a provincial law. So this will be province wide, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens though if you have a local municipality that's currently responsible for zoning that don't like this idea? Let's listen to Richard Stewart here, the mayor of Coquitlam, on this point. Here's what he has to say. I'll get your thoughts. How do we get to respond and how do we make it so that our sewage systems are actually big enough to accommodate the density that the province is putting in uh, without approvals? Without approvals. So, you know, suddenly now the approvals are not with City Hall anymore? Is that how this is going? Well, the devil's in the details, as they say. But valid points raised by Richard Stewart and other mayors. So we've got sewage and water uh, infrastructure uh, impact. With more density, you've got the parking issue. Parking is big. Now, it's interesting in Victoria. The Victoria City Council just approved a half dozen 30-story towers in the heart of downtown Victoria without any parking. No parking at all. They, they, wow. they, they got rid of the underground parking. Yeah. So that's, you know, 2,000 units going in there, something like that, yeah. and no parking assigned to them. Now, a lot of people are saying that maybe that's the way of the future, that parking's not going to be associated with housing anymore but again that's a tough that's a tough one for a lot of councils well i've talked i've talked to david eby about this point like if you're going to allow four units of housing on one on one single family lot is this going to be like carmageddon like where are people going to park is it going to create traffic chaos his answer to that is we're in a housing crisis and we can't worry about if Mm -hmm. people are going to have trouble finding a parking spot close Mm -hmm. to their home 
we need to get people into housing. So he said that's what his priority is. Maybe... I still think he's in for a fight with some municipalities. Oh, for sure. I think some municipalities are going to fight. And, and some of the answers may be, in terms of parking, that maybe you put two units on your lot and you open up a couple parking spots on your lot instead of street parking. And maybe that's the solution going forward. But this is a whole new adventure that a lot of municipalities are going to be going into and it'll be interesting i think it'll play out differently in small towns versus larger towns um again some big cities have been through some of these zoning fights before and probably are able to handle density better than some of the smaller communities okay get set to call me on that and tell me what you think about it let me ask you about the um the bc conservative party you just wrote a column on this Mm -hmm. which which i read and i thought was really interesting point like People may not even be aware that there's such a thing as a BC Conservative Party. There mm-hmm. is, and they knew they now have a new leader who has a, actually has a seat in the legislature. John Rustad, former Liberal MLA, who's now the leader of the BC Conservative Party. Could this guy shake things up? Oh, I think he has the potential to. Rustad's no dummy. Um, he's gonna. He's got. First of all, by having a seat in the House, it does give him a leg up on his predecessors. He's in the hallways. He's talking to people like you and me. He's in the chance of being in front of the TV cameras, and he will be. He'll be, you know, clipped for response from time to time. So the profile of the conservatives will go up. The um, And, again, it's not like they're going to form government. The conservatives have not been a political force since the 1940s. So yeah. they're not suddenly going to vault to uh, promise. However, as we saw in the 2020 election, they can have an impact on the outcome of riding elections. So in the 2020, the Conservatives ranked only something like 18 candidates. But where they ran them was interesting. They ran them in, in Langley and Abbotsford, for example, in Chilliwack. And they were able to take enough votes there, and if you accept the argument that a, a Conservative vote is a disaffected B.C. Liberal voter, because they're certainly not going to vote for the NDP, that allowed the NDP to pick up historic wins. In pla- they'd never won before in a general election in places like Abbotsford, Chilliwack, and Langley, also in Vernon Monashi, where uh, they picked up a seat there for the first time. Again, the Conservatives are getting like 3,000 votes in these places. And if they had gone to the Liberals, the Liberals would have held those ridings. What and, about- and, and Rustab, because he has a higher profile, he's going to run more candidates than what they ran last time. And you look at places like his own riding in Chaco Lakes. He's been elected several times there. I would say the odds would favor him winning that. So he'd probably win even though he's not in the Liberal Party anymore. Like I think maybe I, he's got a better chance to win. I wouldn't vote. Um, I wouldn't put my money against him. Also, oh. the Peace River, the Conservatives ran actually a very strong second place in both of the Peace River ridings. If yeah. either of the incumbents there, Dan Davies or Mike Burney, decide not to run again. Um, don't be surprised if the Conservatives pick up seats there. Let's listen to John Rustad here, Conservative MLA, now the leader of the B.C. Conservative Party. Here, here he is uh, with an ad he recorded for the Conservative Party. Have a listen. Hi, this is John Rustad, MLA from Nechaco Lakes. When I was in the B.C. Liberal Cabinet, I worked hard to deliver for everyday, hardworking British Columbians. Sadly, I can no longer support the B.C. Liberal Party. They are more concerned with appeasing radical, environmental activists and corporate elite than they are with helping everyday people. That's why I'm supporting Conservative candidate Harmon Bangu. He's a small business owner, and he's willing to fight for everyday British Columbians. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a, one of his one of his key themes, and he's outlined this of, uh, even when he was in the Liberal Caucus. Is he's really opposed to things like the carbon tax, oh, yeah. and other climate change initiatives that sure. he's he views that they're not working. Yeah. And this is going to play stronger up country and in the interior in the north than it will in metro. Sure. And that's where he's focusing his, his energy, is winning some of the seats or affecting the outcome of the vote in uh, outlying regions outside of 
the core of Metro Vancouver. Bad news for the BC Liberal Party, right? The Although the BC Liberals vote. are no more, they're going to become the BC United. Okay, nice segue here because yeah, the BC Liberal Party it's a it, it's official now or it's going to be official it's later on this when, week. Wednesday. On Wednesday, the big the big, uh, the big kickoff. Okay, in on Surrey, Wednesday in Surrey, the the new the BC Liberal Party is will become officially the BC United Party. Mm-hmm. BC United. Here is Liberal leader Kevin Falcon, soon to be the BC United leader on the name change. It's more about whether whether it sometimes creates genuine confusion that some in the public just genuinely think federal politics immediately so if they see you know a bc liberal name and they think oh yeah i don't vote liberal i vote conservative or whatever the case may be then they mistakenly often vote for another party when they meant to actually vote for you know a private sector driven economy party like ours your thoughts well i've said this before they've won four elections no evidence that a lot of people are confused if you win four elections. Yeah. So maybe some people are confused. I don't, I don't think confusion is a big um, reason for this. I think uh, Kevin Falcon is not a liberal. He's very much a conservative, um, fairly to the right of center. And I think um, this new name change is more in keeping with his view of where he wants his party. But again, the Liberal Party was the fr- so-called free enterprise coalition, as the predecessor, the social credit party was. Yeah. So they have to always be careful of your coalition to hold that coalition together. So does the name change drive some pure classic liberals away? Yeah, all right. You know, they run the risk of, of alienating the liberal voter out there yeah. who might be more comfortable with the NDP. We're seeing an NDP liberal alliance at the federal level. Right. Um, so there's more of a common uh, element. They share common elements, those two parties. But it's it's interesting. It's, it's more than just a news conference to change your name. I mean, rebranding, any marketing student can tell you, it takes a long time to change your a major brand. Yeah. This is not a minor brand. This is a major brand that held power in this, uh, in this uh, uh, province for a long time. Sure. And you change. I mean, I used to, I'm with Global T- TV. We used to be called BCTV. BCTV right. was a huge brand. Sure. People still remember that. There's still a BCTV sign on the door to my office, and when people come visit, they go, oh, BCTV, I remember that. It took us several years to make that transition from BCTV to global, global. Yeah. and it took a while for people to sort of not, you know, forget the BCTV brand and remember the global brand. That's the challenge the liberals have. The clock is ticking on the next election. Can they change the brand and strengthen it enough in the next 18 months? All right, Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here, John in Vancouver. Hi, John, go ahead. Hi, uh, I called last week and I put up a six plex, uh, six row, uh, row townhouses on a, a lot, a corner lot in Kitsilino about 40 years ago, but we had underground parking. So if their parking is an issue, uh, people forget that go underneath. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's. That's certainly an option that is the case in a lot of municipalities. It's interesting, though, Victoria abandoned that uh, rule to get these big, massive towers built in downtown Victoria. Now, maybe that's just a one-off, but it was, you know, people are sort of, sort of buzzing well, about that in Victoria. The other thing, though, is, okay, if you say, all right, you're allowed to put four homes on a, on a single-family lot, you can build a fourplex, but only if you start digging down and mm-hmm. put in an underground parking garage... How many people are going to do that? Yeah, like, does, I don't think like, so. I don't think that's what EB has in mind. No. And a lot of places, you, you can't dig down that far, depending yeah. on what the, you know, I'm, again, in Fairfield, there's an interesting piece in the Times Columnist a couple of weeks ago about a couple of homes that were built, and they dug down, they discovered, oh, there's an ancient street, uh, stream bed down there, oh. and they could not dig down to build a basement. 
So they just had to build on the surface. And that's going to be, you know, the, the geography and the, the geology of many places will determine whether that can be done. Uh, uh, Roger in Vancouver. Hi, Roger. Go ahead. Good morning, Mike. I, I think the problem here is no one's done. I have the economics of building four units on a small lot. Uh, I haven't seen anyone come up with what they think the cost of each unit would be. And going underground is so expensive, you cannot afford to put uh, parking underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think and you're also, right. I, I, I think yeah. what I'd like you to see one day is bring in a developer who's building, say, a 70 or 80 suite apartment block and find out exactly how much he has to pay in development costs. It's absolutely staggering. Oh, yeah. They've been complaining about that for a long time. And that's maybe for, that's what municipalities do. They come back, and maybe their hmm. response is, okay, sure, you want to, you want to force us to have four lots? We're going to, we're going to put a huge development fee on Ooh. each one. So yeah. maybe that's where the fight is going to be. Now, to Roger's point, I agree. With that. I don't think you're going to see a lot of underground parking associated with this. No. But the other thing, you know, we talk about up to four units. That's the maximum. The reality may be, basically, is the EB government given permission for everyone to subdivide their lot into two? Yeah, Maybe, like you said, like could you build a laneway house or some sort of backyard house? house very few people have the finances to build four units. Yeah, in terms of cash flow and, right. and access to loans. But what about the price? One home that can be done. What about the price? Though it was an interesting point you made too. Like let's say let's say you do build a fourplex. Like in this market, are these going to be affordable homes or are these like four four you know million dollar condos? Well, yeah, and and do you do base your financing thinking okay, I'm going to build a fourplex, I'm going to rent them out based on current market. So that's four times two thousand a month for rental, um, twenty five hundred a month times four. Well, does that change over time? Does that suddenly yeah. two thousand twenty five hundred a month go down to a thousand a month? And is that what does that do to your? That's finances? really interesting. So there's a lot of unanswered questions with this for sure. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Hey, quick question for Keith. I, uh, Keith, I didn't know you were a psychic. Uh, you're saying the BC Conservatives have no chance. Uh, I think you're. I think there's a sea change coming here. And I'll remind British Columbians, it was the BC Liberals who introduced the carbon tax. But more so what I wanted to talk about was the housing plan. It's so ill thought out. Is there even anything in there about uh, them? Someone, someone puts four, four places up. Is there anything out there about them not being allowed to be used as an Airbnb? So until Airbnb is banned, this is it's a ridiculous plan. Parking, policing, the whole nine yards, sewer, water. It's just they're just throwing it out there. And hey, Keith, I wanted I would just ask a quick question. Did you notice the uh, Metro Vancouver the Metro Metro Vancouver Mayor's Committee? They voted to support retaining the RCMP. I no. was wondering if you heard about that. No, no, that was Brenda Locke's characterization, which was refuted by the mayors. All the mayors did was uh, uh, support a motion to get the government to make a decision, not to okay. support the RCMP. So they're quite. You talk to Brad West, who's not happy with Brenda Locke. Uh, Locke this is Locke's characterization, not the mayor's characterization. And in terms of um, uh, other points, check out the Global Mail today editorial. Very interesting drawing parallels between David Eby's plan on housing and Pierre Poliev's, suggesting maybe it is time for senior governments to take the lead hand in creating housing.